would like for you to also look for a moment in Romans chapter 1. We will be considering these uh, verses together. Romans chapter 1. And verse 21 will be the focus that we will tie in with this. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God gave them up. Father, we bless you and praise you that we have this privilege to come to the throne of grace and to open your sacred and holy word. We know that it is as written truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus is the living truth. And we want to sit before you, stand before you today, to receive the truth and to be transformed by the truth for the glory of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I know none of you struggle with insanity, but we're going to look at keys to sanity. And I'm not just pulling this out of some psychology book, but I'm often impressed to draw from Scripture teachings, passages that deal with things that we face on a daily basis. Now, the reality is when you go to Galatians uh, 5, verse 19 through 25, looking at that list, or looking at the horrible list that if you read all the rest of the verses in Romans 1, there are all sorts of spiritual and emotional and behavioral problems there. But today, we don't have them. Most every one of those is now considered a mental problem. The behavior issues of Galatians 5, 19 through 21 are mental problems, not works of the flesh. Ed Stetzer, who at one time was the interim pastor at First Baptist in Hendersonville, stated in an article for CNN... Christians get cancer, and they deal with mental illness. Mental illness has nothing to do with you or your family's belief. So on any given Sunday, from the pulpit to the back pew, the reality is that pastors and people in the congregation are relying on psychotropic drugs to handle life. Increasingly so. And this is interesting because I don't know how large the group is, but there is a group of psychologists 
and psychiatrists who take a different view. Uh, they would not subscribe to the view that we basically are an animal and a biological being and we need to find some potion uh, to deal with things. In fact, they say there are no objective tests in psychiatry, no x-ray, no laboratory, no exam finding which say definitively that someone does or does not have a mental disorder. It's a catch-all phrase. This guy was high up in, in the world of psychology. Another says at present there are no known, this, this is a psychiatrist, I'm not saying he's got it all right, but you just need to know that there are people out there who are not buying what is prescribed by most. At present there are no known biochemical imbalances in the brain of typical psychiatric patients until they are given psychiatric drugs. Psychiatry has never been about science. There has been a great deal of scientific evidence that stimulants cause brain damage with long-term use, and yet there is no evidence that these mental illnesses such as ADHD exist. Interesting. Well, be all of that as it may, God's Word gives us an understanding and gives us solutions. And I can never get the four letters right. No, some of you know what is the, the trauma, the major trauma that people go through. And it's a P something, whatever. Yeah, I knew you knew what it was. In the 19, uh, 2011, I was at Vanderbilt University and sat under some incredibly smart people. And they were dealing with that. And this one thing just stood out at me. I mean, there were a lot of things, but <laughs> he said, uh, this diagnosis was not developed until the 1980s. He said, I don't know what people did before that. Well, maybe call it shell shock <laughs> or scared the living daylights out of you. You can go all through the Bible and there are people who had very traumatic experiences and they survived just fine if they knew and walked with the Lord. By the way, this ties in with uh, last week's message and the last two weeks of the newsletter, if you want to uh, look at the whole armor of God and our identity in Christ. We're talking about now God's provisions for us in a world that's filled with trouble. We need to have ourselves suited up with the provisions he's provided, and we need to have a clear understanding of who we are. What is our identity? What we're going to see this morning is sanity is empowered or strengthened by three things. Praise to God, submission to God, and thanksgiving to God. Uh, 
the, the, we're looking at the opposite of pride. Um, you may remember that in the Old Testament, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a pride problem. And God judged him. He lost his sanity as judgment. You say, but that's the Old Testament. God wouldn't do that today, would he? Well, I'm assuming you're familiar with Romans chapter 1. We hinted at it in the last verse we read. God gave them over. When people are not willing to submit to God as God and are not thankful, the mind comes confused, deluded, and goes down this horrible trail of everything that's found in Romans 1. Every wicked action and attitude listed in Romans 1, 21 through 32 is set forth as a judgment from God. This is what happens. This is consequence. When we don't submit to God as God. And we're not talking about just merely believing in God. We're talking about submitting to God as God. I'm willing for him to be God in my life. I'm submitting to him. And thankful. And praising him. What we're talking about in different words is, and as you look at Galatians 5, you, you see what life is like when self is centralized. You look at all those things in that little list there, verse 19 through 21. Here is self centralized. The fruit of the Spirit would show us self decentralized, God centralized. So when self is centralized, we are unwilling for God to be God. We're not thankful. And we're inviting the judgment of God. Minds turned over to darkness. Now, let me just put a little parenthesis here. There are a lot of mind and emotional battles in the physical world, the fallen world, that are not rooted in self-focus. That are not rooted in any, in any known sin. There are those occasions when a person may have, for example, a genuine, organic, physical issue with his brain. Could have a brain tumor. So, so many things. But also, your battle may be a mystery. There are a few mysteries in the Bible. I'm thinking of Job. His problem was not any sin. His problem was not any judgment from God. But could there be a time in your life or mine when God does with you or I just what he did with Job? The answer is yes. He's God. He has that right and he has that privilege. He gave Satan permission. God would demonstrate through Job's response that God is worthy of worship and worthy of praise regardless. 
God is God. Now, if you go back and read Job, he struggled. Sometimes it's kind of like this. But he never turned loose. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God is up to something. And the things going on in your life, as best you know before holy God, it's not because of any sin you've committed. It's not because of not loving God. No, we don't love him perfectly. We don't submit to him perfectly. But the passion of your heart is for him to be God in your life. You want him to rule. And you have thanksgiving toward him. But regardless of the source of the trials and troubles, our sanity is at stake. Now, another thing that can bring this home to us, not only by looking at Job and others in the Old Testament and the the whole of the Bible, but uh, some of you are familiar with C.H. Spurgeon, who had many dark nights of the soul. As far as we know, none of them were related to any sin in his life, not that he was sinless. But he told his students, fits of depression come over most of us. Usually, cheerfully as we are, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise are not always ready, the brave are not always courageous, and the joyful are not always happy. He said it. I note that some whom I greatly love and esteem, who are in my judgment among the very choicest of God's peoples, nevertheless travel much of their way to heaven by night. As some of you know, Spurgeon had to deal with severe physical pain from gout. He would spend weeks at time in bed, agonizing, in pain. And on one occasion, he wrote to the church family that he served, I have been brought very low. My flesh has been tortured with pain. My spirit has been prostrate with depression. With some difficulty, I write these lines in my bed, mingling them with the groans of pain and the songs of hope. Oh, what a testimony. Rather than all of your struggles have nothing to do with faith. Has everything to do with faith. Notice that his testimony is encouraging and faith building. He had severe physical problems. He had dark nights of the soul, depression, burnout. But in the midst of that, he praised God. He kept to his duty. He's pastoring the church from his sickbed. From his pain. He's praising God. The kingdom of God was being advanced. To some of the pastors he was training, he said, These infirmities may be no detriment to a man's career of special usefulness in kingdom work. They may even have been imposed by God, by divine wisdom, as necessary qualifications 
for the particular course of service he has for you. Now, we seldom if ever see that when it's happening. But I suspect some of you can look back and, oh, that's what God was up to. From the framework of willing for him to be God, honoring his sovereignty, praising him, uh, at least we won't miss the lessons and later we may understand it. This has certainly been my lot. I look back on painful circumstances of earlier years and it's painful to look at my responses of those days. But it was my responses that flung me into deep dungeons of depression and rage and suicidal and homicidal thoughts and plans. My wrong responses did far more damage than any of the bad circumstances or the difficult people in my life. My responses were not like Job's or Spurgeon's. Nevertheless, those times, God in his mercy would bring me to the day, bring me through those days, and bring me to be able to look back and say, that was the best training I ever had for the ministry I'm called to. I'm amazed at the mercies of God. Here's the reality. I know you know this. Bad things happen in a fallen world. Hello? Number two. Crushing blows can be beyond words. Don't leave this one out. Number three. We do bad things. But life is not primarily about what has happened to us. It's not primarily about what others have done to us. It's not primarily about the bad things we have done. Life is about our response. Response of praise to God. Response of submitting to God for him to be God. Response of thanksgiving to God because he's worthy. Genuine praise is, oh, by the way, rooted in a firm embracing of the sovereignty of God. If you want to release those jaws that won't move and the mind that won't get into gear to praise God, embrace the sovereignty of God. Genuine praise is rooted in God's sovereignty. God is ruling and overruling. He was ruling and overruling in Job's life, in Spurgeon's life, in your life, in mine. So let us bow down in praise. Not praising God and instead being resentful as to what God sovereignly brings or allows is a major cause for depression. I had the great privilege many years ago having Don and Kathy Rulison sit at our table, at our house. The parents of John Rulison, Dan Rulison, 
missionaries. Don and Kathy were long-term missionaries. And then Kathy lost it. And they had to come home from the mission field and lived in North Carolina for 12 years. And she was bedridden. Bedridden for 12 years. Everybody and their brother spent time with her, counseled her, talked to her, prayed with her, prayed for her. Just bedridden. Depressed. Deep depression. I remember asking Dan and John, what impressed you most about your parents? They said, our father's love toward our mother during those 12 years. Well, there's a lot of people talking to Kathy, but one day, and I don't remember anything about who it was, but it was somebody in Atlanta, Georgia, got onto something. Her mother was, in some circles, a famous missionary woman, wrote a lot of missionary books, Isabel Kuhn. They were separated because of the war, and she spent most of her teenage years apart from her family, and she comes back into the world of being with her mother, I don't know about the father, and develops a spirit of resentment. This high-profile, well-loved woman, her mother, but she didn't know him and was resentful that she had been taken away from her for all those years. She had a deep root of bitterness. What does the Bible say about root of bitterness? It will destroy many. And she, for all practical purposes, was destroyed. But by the grace of God, when someone confronted her with that scripture, she drew upon the grace of God and repented, and she was set gloriously free. They both were in our church after all of that, and both sitting at our table and telling the story, went back to Thailand for a number of years, and stayed until she had a bike accident and in the healing of that discovered she had cancer. But that's another story. But the point of it is, it's a glorious day when we are open and teachable and we allow the scriptures to search our heart. All the medication in the world, all the counseling in the world, Christian or otherwise, would not help her until she dealt with the root problem. Now, Job didn't have such a root problem. Yes, he did discover he wasn't as... God says he's righteous, more righteous than any man on the earth. But at the end of the day, we discover him repenting. He, he had much room to grow. We all do. But it's a wonderful thing to confess, Oh God, you're sovereign. You're free to be God. You're free to... You, you do as you please, when you please, and as you please... Even with me. Here's a quote. God's sovereignty comforts me with the knowledge that God could have prohibited or controlled the situations or the people who are connected with my stress level. He's God. He could do that. 
I wish he would. Since he did not. In Don Baker's little book, Thank You Therapy, he tells about the 32-year-old woman who's this high. Has a normal-sized head, pleasant personality, little appendages for arms, little stubs for feet and legs. Hated to look in the mirror. What's the most difficult thing you do? Look in the mirror. But one day she was reading her Bible, holding a pencil, and using the rubber end to turn the pages. And she was reading Job. And the lights turned on. God could have made her whole. God could have given her a whole beautiful body. He didn't. So she decided to praise him anyway. Her life was transformed. Since he did not control or stop the evil thing from happening, nor did he stop somebody from opposing me or from slandering me or from attacking me, since he did not, Don Baker says, I can accept the fact that infinite wisdom and unchanging love conspired with almighty power to cause or to allow something that is ultimately for my good and his glory. That he has caused or allowed something that at present may, I may deem evil or unfair or cruel, be that as it may, it is a glorious day when I praise him anyway. And oh, by the way, are you here today and you have, by the grace of God, been comforted? You're in some deep pit, maybe a a pit of your own sin and you were forgiven and set free. Maybe you didn't know what happened, but you you, you were able to to begin to worship him and, and submit to him. And so you were comforted. Well, mark in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. So that we might... Comfort those around us with the same comfort that we received. That's a master reason why he allows things. Spurgeon was a man who had turned to Christ for refuge. He was able to give strong testimonies of hope. He said, and don't be offended, any simpleton can follow the narrow path in the light. Faith's rare wisdom enables us to march on in the dark with infallible accuracy. Since such wisdom places her hand in that of her great guide. Here we are, September 24, 2023. And we're here with a variety of mysteries and trials and troubles and tribulations and sicknesses or consequences that are upon us because we're experiencing judgment. The dark night of the soul can be rooted in any of that. How shall I respond? I can blame others. I can blame God. I can be a victim. I can go to any doctor and smooth it over with some sort of medication. 
More than we like to admit, we are prone to various expressions of pride. They stampede in our minds and they're unprotested and unchecked and we excuse them. But there's great hope. No matter what's on your plate, when we submit to God and we give thanks and we praise Him and self is decentralized and the Holy Spirit with His ninefold fruit of sanity floods our soul. The latter verses we read in Galatians. The works of the flesh are expressions of self-centralized Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. There's pills and injections for all of that today. You may not understand where exactly where you are and you are on some of that. If it's temporarily helping you, use your stability to feed faith. I have no condemnation of you. But you must surely, surely feed faith. We all must feed faith. Some things that are temporarily a help are not a solution. Again, we see from Scripture... That many times, many times things are a mystery. But the solution is to worship him, to praise him, to submit to him, to give thanks to him. To minister from your bed, if that's what is, is called upon. Interesting that this is a part of our message in light of the missionary prayer time today, wasn't it? In glorious contrast to the flesh, here is the sanity of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against us is no law. There is not a time when it's illegal to use those. You say, I wish God would give me some of that. If you're born again... The Holy Spirit lives within you, and he did not shortchange any one of you. You have the Holy Spirit, and he is all of that. And he is ready to be that through you and through me. That's why it is so important to heed the scripture that says, Do not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. Sanity is the birthright of every Christian. So submit to God as God. Give thanks and praise to him. Here's a quote. Thanksgiving and praise to God are sharp-edged axes which cut and destroy the roots of mental, emotional insanities that are so destructive. Submission to God as God and thanksgiving and praise to God is a powerful disinfectant that kills on contact germs which grow into serious mental illnesses and insanity. 
Submission to God as God and thanksgiving and praise to God decentralizes self, centralizes God and his love in the patterns of our thinking and behavior. To the degree that we focus on self, the more off-balance, insane, and mentally ill we become. Look at that list in Romans 1. Look at this list in the works of the flesh there. No one would claim, well, that's a, that's a, a mentally sane, stable person. <laughs> oh, no. Going down that road, you're a mess. And the solution is found the same place where, no matter how it started, you may be given revelation of it like Kathy was. But there came a day when she owned that in her case, 12 years of deep, debilitating depression was a result, a consequence of bitterness. This is why it is no small thing when the scripture says, forgive one another, even as, in the same manner as, God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Resentments and bitternesses, grudges, sap the strength and joy out of masses of people. It's time to take God at his word. We live in a very self-centered, me-centered, wealth for me, good times for me, world programs for me, rights for me. People are my problem. The world is my problem. God is a problem. There's not a bigger cult in the world than the largest cult in the world. And the largest cult in the world is the cult of self, drawn from 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. People who are lovers of self more than. Oh, they're not, they're not agnostic. They're not uh, atheists. They're just lovers of self more than lovers of God. Again, not all. But behind a multitude of emotional mental disorders is an over-occupation, a preoccupation with self. Many forms of discouragement and depression are rooted in the destructive mindset of, I did not get my way. You did not please me. I was not given what I believe I was deserving. To be self-centered is to be self-destructive and destructive to others. Pride centralizes self. The new birth centralizes grace and God. Submission to God, thanksgiving to God, praise to God flows out of it, and we're free. Genuine worship and praise to God shifts our focus and shifts our whole mental focus from self to God. Worship, thanksgiving, praise to God will produce, un- will produce forgetfulness of self, confidence in God, and peace of mind. That's sanity. When God is central, And praise to God is non-negotiable. That's where the key is. Oh, how quick we start with a good, good confession. But 
we don't get an immediate solution. We don't get immediate relief. And, and lo and behold, we go back to the old ways. And praise and submission to God was, after all, negotiable. But for Job, though he slay me, I will trust him. The evidence is the same for Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And there have been many times in many of the lives of you, what got you through was that by the grace of God, you tenaciously, you had nowhere else to turn. Others are going away, but you somehow come out with something like Peter's confession. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. You may have just royally or unroyally failed the Lord. And you're dealing with condemnation, refusing conviction. They're radically different. They're not close. Condemnation is not from the Lord. Conviction is. And there may be some things in your life today where you need to cry out to the Lord. I have a bitterness problem. I have a lovelessness problem. I have a self-orientation problem. I have a me-first problem. Or you may need to cry out, Lord, I have no idea what the problem is. I just know I'm in trouble. (laughs) I'm not putting myself on the same plane as Job, but that's how I feel. And I don't know where you are. You can be honest with God. He won't be offended. But don't forget to end, though you slay me, I'll trust you. I have nowhere else to go. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Praise to God. Submission to God. Thanksgiving to God. Spells sanity. Spells Christ being glorified in your body and in your spirit, which are his. Another part of the good news of this, and this is huge, no one else in the whole world has to change for you to have miracles unfolding in your life from this day forth. Lay down your weapons, lay down your excuses, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Jesus. Submit to him. Praise him. Thank him. And the best is yet to be. No matter what's happening in the world. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you. For your amazing grace. We thank you that the miracle life that is ours in Christ is for every child of God. The the fruit of walking in the Spirit, the fruit of being one in whom Christ dwells, us being the very abiding place of the Holy Spirit on here on earth. And Father, we've fallen we live in a world of self self focused people and and we, we come by it naturally and We're sitting here today and we've had many hours in the dumps because we were focused on ourselves. 
and maybe other hours when while we don't know what the problem is we stop short of submitting to God praising him and thanking him may this be the day that we lay the difficulties and trials and troubles and people that are we think are getting us down may we lay all that before you and just mind our own business to worship you to praise you to submit to you and watch you do all the rest and for this we pray and give thanks in jesus precious name amen